Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hi, I'm Claire Murphy. This is Mamma Mia's daily news podcast, The Quickie. And coming up, why a Supreme Court decision deeming frozen embryos children has led to IVF clinics shutting down their services and why lawmakers are confused as to what exactly has gone down in Alabama. But first, here's the latest from the Quickie newsroom for Thursday, February 29. The Matildas have qualified for the Paris Olympics with a huge 10-nil annihilation of Uzbekistan. Coach Tony Gustafsson hopes some of his star's performances, like Mary Fowler, who finished Australia's matches against Uzbekistan with two goals and assist her 50th Matildas cap and qualification for her second Olympics, will send a message to their clubs who've been leaving them out of their teams. He hopes players like Fowler, Hayley Rasso and Kyra Cooney-Cross can get more minutes on the pitch from now on, saying that's how players grow and get better. The New South Wales police officer accused of murdering Sydney couple Jesse Baird and Luke Davies has been handed a show cause notice while in prison, the first step in him being removed from the force. New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb confirmed they are investigating whether the officer was considered high risk before his alleged involvement in the murder of Baird and Davies, who were allegedly shot and killed in Baird's Paddington apartment with the officer's police issue firearm. As there are calls for Webb to stand down over her handling of this traumatic situation. She's been backed in by the police minister and says she shares the community disgust when it's involving someone that has so much power and trust and that trust has been breached. A former Australian politician who was caught up in a foreign spy ring and who was accused of selling out the country will not be legally pursued. ASIO Director-General Mike Burgess revealed the unnamed former politician's dealings with their foreign handler, even trying to organise introducing a Prime Minister's family member to them, the plot not eventuating. Mr Burgess explaining the person was not active anymore and had been neutralised, saying if they're seen going active again, he guarantees they'll be caught and that several other individuals should be grateful that espionage and foreign interference laws are not retrospective. He explained how many are recruited through companies to work as consultants, lured in with all expenses paid trips where they meet spies posing as bureaucrats. One academic gave up secure information about Australia's national security and defence in just a few weeks. Lovers will walk down the aisle today or drop to one knee with new babies born on this day having a cute nickname as we add that extra day on to February in this leap year. While humans have attributed February 29 with more celestial meaning, with an old Irish tradition allowing women to propose to men on this once every four years day, its real reason for existing is to make sure the Gregorian calendar matches the Earth's orbit around the sun. A misalignment could impact agriculture and seasonal activities, but also the timing of religious festivals 
festivals and historical traditions. The Gregorian calendar, which is used by the majority of the world, is still off by around 26 seconds and, according to experts, will have accrued a full extra day by the year 4909. But if you're lucky enough to have a baby on February 29, congratulations, you're welcoming a leapling into your life. That's your latest news headlines on the way next. A rogue patient, devastated potential parents and how one Supreme Court decision could change one US state's access to IVF forever. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. In December 2020, a patient at a Mobile Fraternity Clinic in Alabama wandered into an adjoining cryogenic embryo storage room. Their curiosity not satisfied with just looking around, they lifted the lid of an ultra-cold storage unit, removing one of the vessels holding the frozen embryos inside. Now, those who usually handle these fragile units will do so using protective gloves and equipment, but this rogue patient didn't know they needed to follow the strict handling processes. So when the cold immediately freeze-burnt their hand, they let it go. The embryos and the dreams of their potential parents smashing to the floor. Three couples whose embryos were now gone were heartbroken. They'd all undergone IVF treatment at the clinic and all had become pregnant and given birth to healthy babies. But the IVF journey can be a long and difficult one. And to lose what could be your last chance at becoming a parent again led to them filing a lawsuit under Alabama's wrongful death of a minor act. The act dates back to 1872, back when IVF did not exist yet. Prior cases tried under these laws have been applied to a foetus developing in utero and who've died due to things like car accidents. But this is the first time this law has been applied to an embryo that exists only in a lab setting. At the trial court phase of this case, it was dismissed. The judge saying that embryos that exist in vitro are not people or children for the purpose of the act and therefore no claim could be brought by the potential parents. The couples appealed and it was escalated to the Supreme Court of Alabama. They disagreed with the trial judge and said the wrongful death of a minor act does apply, quoting the part that says, to all unborn children without limitation. This decision that gives the embryos personhood allows those couples to proceed with their lawsuit to secure punitive damages for the wrongful death of their children. Alabama Supreme Court Justice Tom Parker referenced the Australian and New Zealand code of practice around IVF, saying prevailing ethical standards dictate that physicians usually only create one embryo at a time, a claim that's not accurate, with many embryos made but only one usually transferred at a time. Australian doctors saying that shows a lack of understanding of the complexity surrounding IVF treatment. Within a week of the Supreme Court decision, several of Alabama's eight fertility clinics paused treatment. One of them is one of the largest in the state at the University of Alabama. They say they stopped treating patients due to the very real concerns over the civil and now potential criminal liability their physicians and patients may face if something were to happen to an embryo, 
like it doesn't make it through the thawing out process. Patients who'd been on the verge of having an embryo transferred had their procedures cancelled. What if they have the transfer but the embryo doesn't make it? One embryo shipping company has also temporarily halted business. What if there's an incident on the way to the clinic? Will they go to jail? Immediately after the decision, Alabama State Senator Tommy Tuberville was interviewed. His answer exposed the lack of understanding lawmakers have on how this impacts those undergoing IVF treatment. You know, you just got to look at everything going on in the country. It's a, just attack on families, attack on kids. You know, anything that we can do for the future of our young people because they're our number one commodity, we need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. But IVF is used to have more children, and right now IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well... That's for another conversation. That's what the whole abortion issue is about. So but this really isn't about abortion. It's about no, no. I- IVF and the concern that now but families it, might not have access to it. But it's about the same direction, but I agree. But we need more kids. We need the people to, to have the opportunity to have kids. Pro-life groups have applauded the decision. Anti-abortion organization Alliance Defending Freedom saying they believe it's a tremendous victory for life. Others say they hoped it would spread around the US, using the term fetal personhood in place of frozen embryo, saying it's dehumanising not to refer to these cells as the little babies they are. Alex Polyakov is the medical director at the Geneva Fertility Clinic in Melbourne and a clinical associate professor at the Faculty of Medicine, Dentistry and Health Sciences at the University of Melbourne. Alex, what many Aussie families who are currently undergoing IVF treatment want to know first of all is... Has this discussion been had at all here on any level and is there any threat that the laws could change here as we've seen in Alabama? Well, the short answer is no. This is very peculiar case and similar cases were brought in other states in the United States, but they were all knocked back. So it's been an ongoing process where the conservative right is trying to equate frozen embryos to living children and to assign them the same rights, which would have the effect of completely stopping IVF treatments in those states. And it was tried in other states in the past, and the courts said, no, frozen embryos are not the same as living children and therefore do not deserve the same protection and the same rights. This is actually the first instance where the High Court of Alabama said, yes, we consider frozen embryos on the same moral standing as living children. But in Australia, the law is very clear. From a legal point of view, life begins at birth. Once someone reaches 24 weeks gestation and the baby can, in fact, survive, the fetus acquires certain rights, but they are quite limited. So there is absolutely no possibility that this would have any impact on the Australian IVF landscape. As you said, this is quite clearly tied into the rise of the conservative right in the US. Do you think, in your opinion, this decision would have fallen this way had Roe v. Wade not been overturned in 2022? Has that opened the door for decisions like this? It's a difficult question to answer. I think the matters under consideration are quite different. One is overturning the constitutional right for an abortion and essentially giving it 
to the states to decide. It's not that abortion is illegal in the United States. It's that the Supreme Court said that the states should decide for themselves. So some states can make it legal. Some states like Alabama may prohibit it altogether. Now, this particular case talks about embryos being the same as living children because in the opinion of the judges, life begins at conception. So once an egg and sperm are put together and an embryo is formed, that is a living human being and therefore falls under the statute that they've used in this particular instance. So they're not quite the same, but you are right in saying that it's somewhat an extension of Roe and Wade, yes. In that case then, how much of this decision by the Alabama Supreme Court is based on scientific knowledge of the IVF process? Well, it's not based on scientific knowledge at all. I mean, the judges demonstrate profound ignorance of biology, IVF and science. They use this language they're calling the embryos frozen children. They are frozen in the cryogenic nurseries. I mean, all of that is completely nonsensical from a scientific point of view. I mean, we do have to sort of appreciate that an embryo contains about 200 cells and it has no capacity to feel anything or experience anything. And it requires a lot of effort to actually get it to be even a fetus, a pregnancy, let alone a human being. There are a lot of steps that need to be taken by a number of people for an embryo to actually progress to become a child. And if it's left to its own devices, it can't actually do anything. It's frozen. And even if it's defrosted, so to speak, it will just die in the dish if nothing else is done. And from a moral point of view, I mean, you have to draw a line somewhere. I mean, the phrase, every sperm is sacred, comes to mind. I mean, you could say that sperm also has the potential, and so do eggs. So do they deserve the same protection as well? I mean, the moral status of the embryo is is a very complex issue. And the reason that it has any moral standing at all is because of its potential. But potential does not equate to actually being something, you know. I have a potential to win a Nobel Prize, but it doesn't make me a Nobel Prize winner. Obviously, we've already seen the fallout of this decision with some IVF clinics in Alabama halting their treatment of patients in the short term. But I guess when you start to drill down into the potential implications of this, like what if there is a natural disaster and that fertility clinic is flooded or catches on fire or there's a massive power outage and all the embryos within it don't make it? Or what if the person doing the thawing out process is a human error? Like there's lots of implications here, I guess, that we haven't considered not being involved in the scientific process of creating an embryo or transplanting it into a womb. How many steps are we concerned about potential liability for those in this IVF process? Well, you raise a very valid point, but it actually goes much further than that. What if a couple creates an embryo and it's frozen and then they decide not to have a child for whatever reason, they get divorced or one of them dies or they just decide that they conceive naturally and they don't want to use that embryo? I mean, what happens to that embryo then? I mean, the couple doesn't want it. Are they obliged to use it to try to fall pregnant, to fulfill its potential? 
or will the clinic be responsible for keeping it in the cryopreserved state and for how long? Or will the state take over and look after what the judges call cryopreserved child until what point? I mean, to become a child, it has to get into the uterus to create a pregnancy. And if that doesn't happen, it will just be there, presumably forever. So this is the main issue. It's really everyday practical implications for every couple. If you create 10 embryos and you're lucky enough to get pregnant in the first transfer, what happens to the other nine if you don't want to use them? Are you forced by the state to become pregnant nine more times? And the second point is that this ruling makes it pretty much illegal to do any research on the embryos. And so some embryos, if a couple doesn't want them or a woman doesn't want them, they get donated to research. Now, that research usually results in the destruction of the embryo. They're just used for various scientific purposes. And so that is now not allowed in the state of Alabama. So there are many, many interesting issues that come up from this ruling. And the judges specifically said, look, you know, policy implications from our decision are not our problem. It's for the parliament in the state of Alabama to sort these things out. At the moment, clinics in Alabama can't really offer IVF frozen embryos. And I'm not quite sure what they would do with the ones that are already frozen. More than a week after this decision was handed down, it seems some politicians have realised the long-reaching implications for families. That same senator who was confused about how his belief that people should be allowed to have babies would be limited if you make it harder for them to have babies was approached again by a reporter and said there are things in progress to change those laws around this again. So is this the wrong move by the Alabama Supreme Court? Supreme Court. Court. Yes. And that's the reason the state legislature is going to go back and pass a law where it's, it's legal. So to be clear, you believe it's the wrong move? Wrong move by the Supreme Court, yes. yes. Thanks for spending time with us feeding your mind today. If you're in the midst of IVF treatment and you want to learn more about it, Mamma Mia's Get Me Pregnant podcast will take you on that journey. And if you're on your way to parenthood, the Hello Bump podcast will help you prepare for that too. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. The Quickie is produced by me, Claire Murphy, along with our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyne. <laughs> 